everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's going quite well, Keith. How about yourself? I'm all right. Um, I feel like we're in like a weird lull right now. We're like, we're sort of post-Super Bowl, pre-Grammys, pre-Oscars, post-Olympics, and waiting for Kanye's album. Uh, yep, that's all happening. I mean, by the time people listen to this uh, podcast, there may the, or may not be a Kanye the album Yay album might already have been delivered delivered to their STEM players. <laughs> yes, if you've, if you've purchased that $200 STEM player. Correct. I have to say, the STEM player, I watched the little video describing it. It's, it's a pretty, you know, fun-looking device. It has little sure. lights. It lights up and little fun buttons and stuff. We were wondering if when the album arrives, it, like, vibrates and lights up like a TGI Friday's... Uh, little device (laughs) and then maybe it rings every time there's a new remixed or remastered version he services you which will be frequent i'm sure over the next few weeks months (laughs) well as always the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on billboard's weekly charts in addition you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news fun chart stats and stories new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Encanto continues to rule both the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart and the Billboard 200 Albums chart, while the Super Bowl leaves its mark on both tallies. Meanwhile, Glass Animals' enduring hit Heat Waves inches ever closer to number one for the first time on the Hot 100 as the song rises four to two. Could it go all the way? I don't know. We'll talk about it in a second. And Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber scores his 10th number one on the pop airplay chart with Ghost. How many number ones does he have now? Oh, my God, that's a lot. We'll talk about that in just a second, too. (laughs) I'll tell you in a minute. Well, great. Also on the show, we're talking about new pop music looming from Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. Now, we know these two are not together anymore, but it sounds like they're both about to reemerge in a big way on the Billboard charts, on our radios, etc. Stick around as we discuss what we know about their new music and what we're expecting from both of them. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts. Okay, let's do the chat of the charts. First up, the Encanto soundtrack stands tall at number one on the Billboard 2 out. Al- t- on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a sixth non-consecutive week, while its smash hit single, We Don't Talk About Bruno, holds atop the Billboard Hot 100 for a fourth straight week. Um, We could be talking about Bruno for the next few months at this rate. Um, Well, we'll get back to Bruno in just a second, but let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, The big game makes itself known on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 this week, as there are 15 albums tied to the halftime performers or the songs performed during halftime uh, that dot the Billboard 200 this week. Of those, we are led by Eminem's greatest hits album, Curtain Call, and Dr. Dre's Dr. Dre 2001 album, both of which vault back into the top 10 at numbers 8 and 9, respectively. And over on the Hot 100 chart, I'm not going to rattle off the other 13 albums on the Billboard 200. You can go read my story on Billboard.com if you want to get the full details. Over on the Hot 100, Dr. Dre's still DRE 
featuring Snoop Dogg, re-enters at number 23, the first time the song has ever been in the top 40. Uh, after the song closed out the halftime show on February 13th. The track was originally released as part of the Dr. Dre 2001 album, which came out in 1999. Did you happen to see our coworker Andrew's tweet about this? Wondering nope. how still DRE got that slot instead of um, Nothing But A G Thing, which was a much bigger Hot 100 hit at the time. Oh, I've uh, got number a two. Yeah, talk to me. Why? Why would the the NFL was already probably like having to negotiate a lot of um, controversial things with this halftime show? <laughs> you know the the alleged the alleged 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 fact that they the NFL allegedly told all the performers don't wear certain colors, and yet Snoop Dogg comes out wearing all blue. Um, certain performers doing certain kinds of possibly gang related. Uh, uh, movements on crip stage walk. crip walking is that crip what you're walk. referring to a crip walk um <laughs> that was a great Eminem, dance <laughs> Eminem taking a knee um now out of all and, the and dr dre saying i still don't like the police he said right. that lyric yeah um so out of all those things maybe maybe they were able to negotiate can you not do a song that effectively is nothing but a gangsta thing like nothing <laughs> but a can, can you not well, do that? There were actually theories about because, you know, how Dr. Dre just finalized this deal to um, take over Death Row. And in that, the, he has a lyric, Death Row is the label that pays me. And they're like, maybe that'll just be confusing <laughs> if we put that lyric. I, I also I also thought maybe there was something to do with how they were purposely not doing any songs from... Um, the first Chronic album, Dr. Dre's first Chronic, because he didn't do any songs from the Chronic. It was purposefully, only from, like, what do you mean purposefully? Like, like I thought maybe, I thought maybe there was a reason, like, maybe he couldn't or didn't want to do songs from that album for mm. some sort of, like, financial or publishing oh, song. May, I mean, maybe. Royalty reasons. I don't I know. I know a lot of people wondered why, you know, No More Drama as opposed to, uh, like, Real Love for Mary. But she was, um, I know with Family Affair, it's produced by Dr. Dre. She, they thought it would be weird for her to do one of her, like, uh, bad boy records when it was like a Dr. Dre West Coast, you know, display. And that, I guess. That's, that's just I, the theory. Who knows? That, that These the are all theories. These are okay. all theories. These are all theories. We don't have Dr. Dre on text. We're not asking no. him what happened. Not yet. Um, <clears throat> not yet. So still DRE reenters at number 23, first time in the top 40. Quick explainer why. Because back, back then in 1999, though the Hot 100 allowed album tracks to chart, um, you know, <clears throat> you could chart just from radio airplay and physical single sales. If you had a physical single out in stores, like a CD single, this was again, pre-digital, pre-streams, pre-iTunes. So that time still DRE only charted basically, I'm assuming probably from like maybe a 12 inch vinyl, maybe, maybe, and airplay. So that's why though everyone remembers the song, it has a deceptively kind of a low peak on the chart. Did MTV Airplay ever count toward our charts? Nope, never has. Wow, do you ever wonder what that would have done? Yep. I wow. absolutely, I absolutely wonder what would have happened in. It like, feels like it would have been the had the same effect that streaming has had, like it just completely like lift some people to the top that never would have gotten there otherwise. I, I mean, I, I can imagine. Can you imagine the pressure or the interest there would have been in the 1980s for MTV's, um. <clears throat> 
MTV is reporting of like what are our heavy rotation songs, medium rotation, as if they were a radio station mm-hmm. to have yeah. them count. Like, what like an extra be- super weighted radio station because of the viewership and the national right. reach. And yeah. But you can imagine like how controversial that would have been and the outsized influence mm-hmm. that would have had. And and I'm I'm absolutely just speculating, but maybe maybe the powers that be at the time thought, look, MTV's influence is already so large where it's actually causing radio stations to add songs to their playlist because people are demanding those songs to be played on their local radio stations and people are going out and buying the singles and buying the albums. And that's how acts that were made on MTV, Duran Duran, Kaja Gugu, A Flock of Seagulls, all ended up having big hits. I mean, I'm, those are very specific, unique examples. I just immediately pulled some names All out examples of the sky. with great hair. Great hair. But like, <laughs> ma, like, obviously, like, Madonna was like, a, like made made for MTV and MTV yeah. helped make her and she helped make MTV and yet all those songs became huge radio hits sold hugely as singles right so to say that MTV didn't influence the charts is not exactly telling the full story because it did influence the charts via an, sales via uh, it's an, in, it's an, it's an indirect influence much in the same mm-hmm. way TikTok does not actually factor mm-hmm. into our charts yet it, it TikTok's influence is undeniable because people will see something, they'll go and stream it, they'll go and download it, they'll play it, and then those. It's a great streams, analogy. Great yeah. analogy. Thanks. TikTok so what we is said is MTV. TikTok is the new MTV. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, also on the Hot 100, another track from the Dr. Dre 2001 album, uh, Dr. Dre's The Next Episode, featuring Snoop, re-enters at number 37, while Eminem's former number one, Lose Yourself, re-enters at number 40. Next. Could a race for number one on the Hot 100 be heating up? Oh, goodness. Glass Animals Enduring (laughs) hit Heat Waves, which is currently in its 57th week on the Hot 100, rises four to two on the chart this week, a new high. Could it dethrone We Don't Talk About Bruno? Maybe it will just wear Bruno down at some point. Um... Time will tell. Heat Waves seems to be holding steady. It's the number it's on on radio, at least. It's the number two song on the radio songs chart. Number one is Adele's "Easy on Me." Bruno has a huge streaming lead. Mm-hmm. So, but Bruno is also getting some airplay traction now, a little bit. I don't know. It would if it's be amazing tr- if Heat Waves that became made it to number yeah. one. I mean, it, I feel like we've had a lot of um, you know alternative hits that have broken through to the top ten. I think of our previous guest uh, AJR with like Bang, you know, right. a couple years ago. But breaking to number one is like that's really unprecedented. That or not, it's unprecedented for like recent years. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, because usually the problem is by the time you've crossed over from you know, alternative radio or alternative playlists or whatever you want to call it, um, you've now, you don't have enough oomph in you left. You've kind of run out of steam. Um, But this song, like, it's just nuts. Like, the song has been on the chart or more weeks on the chart than a year. Like, I don't know if all those are consecutive. They played the Billboard Music Awards last year with this song. In 2018, they played the Billboard Awards. (laughs) Um, All right, so... If if not heat waves, could there be another contender waiting in the wings to take down Bruno, ready to pounce? Um, maybe Gale's A B C D E F U. Maybe it could make a run for number one. It rises seven to four this week uh, with a big gain at radio, 
or with a gain at radio, I should say. Uh, there's Lil Nas X's That's What I Want, which returns to the top 10 this week and at a new high as it climbs 12 to 9. Maybe he could snag another number one with this track. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, maybe maybe some superstar that we don't know could drop a song this Friday out of the blue. Who knows? Rihanna. I just like to throw in her name every so often. <laughs> Lastly, Justin Bieber's Ghost, which is also in the top 10 on the Hot 100 this week, also reaches number one on the pop airplay chart for the very first time. It's his 10th number one on wow. this chart. Yes, I know. That's nuts. Dating back to his first number one, what do you mean in 2015? You know, and that's even more interesting because, you know, Justin Bieber came around around like around 2010. So like five years later, he got his first one and then he's gotten all 10 since then. Crazy. Well, Katie, um, he's had 10 number ones mm-hmm. on the pop airplay chart. Can you name the other three acts with 10 number, at least 10 number ones on the pop airplay chart. Um, by the way, I will say that this chart started in 1992. That's a good so, caveat. So that should help you narrow down your guesses. Katie, take a wild stab. Uh, who are the other three acts with at least 10 number ones on the pop airplay chart? My first guess is Mariah Carey. Nope. Oh, wow. I thought she was going to be the gimme. She has six. Remember, Mariah's Mariah's career started before this chart started. I what one year before? She's done a lot since then. Two, two years. Okay, like a year and a half or. Um. Okay. Um. Next guess is Rihanna. Correct. Eleven. Eleven. My next guess is Katy Perry. Correct. Eleven. Whoa. My next guess is Taylor Swift. Nope. Nine. Mm. Ooh, so close. Think, uh, uh, want me to give you a hint? Yeah, you, you sure. Seem to be doing, you seem to be doing really good, though. Yeah, I'd love a hint. Okay, you'd love a hint. Okay. Um, it's a, um, it's a, it's just one of those acts that is just ubiquitous at radio and has been ubiquitous at radio for, like, probably 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. Usher? No. No, uh... Usher. Is it, when you say act, do you mean it's a group of multiple people? I don't know. I don't want to tell you that because that Maroon might Five. A, Maroon Five. Hey. I figured as soon as I said group, you're like, oh, Maroon Five. Maroon Five. It's Maroon clearly five. Maroon Five. Yeah, Katy Perry, Maroon Five, and Rihanna all have eleven. Justin Bieber has ten, and then Bruno Mars, Pink, and Taylor Swift all have nine apiece. Wow. Um, and and like some of the folks that you would immediately think of because you think, oh, like longtime top forty pop superstars. You know, like Mariah Carey has six. You know, Celine Dion has three. I mean, Celine is, is, I guess, a bad example. Mariah Carey is a better example. But you would think, like, oh, if this chart existed in the 80s, imagine how many number ones, like Janet Jackson Whitney and like Houston Madonna would have. And Whitney would yeah. have had. Or yeah. Michael, you know, for Pete's sakes. Yeah. Um, all right, then. There you go. That's the end of the show. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. A surprise mid-show quiz, Katie. Uh, next up, we're taking a look ahead at the 2022 pop landscape, and there are two familiar faces who both seem to be reemerging at the same time, and they are Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. What I can say friends of the podcast, can't I? They've they both been both guests. They, you, yes. You've interviewed Sean, and we both interviewed Camila. And also, you've interviewed Camila with Fifth Harmony before, I believe. Or was that just like um, red carpet? Uh, uh, Jason 
has oh, Jason. Had fifth, Jason had Fifth Harmony on like tw- maybe twice, mm. could be more. And okay. Camila has been on with you and I. Camila came to the yep. office. Yep. Back in and... the day when. I know what you did last summer was like, I think a hit at the time. Speaking of Sean and Camila, and you know, we, we know that these two are not together anymore. Um, but they both have new music on the horizon and actually they're, they're in a great place. They'd be fine being mentioned in the same breath still. Um, last week, Sean shared a snippet of new music on Instagram and Keith, it's like, it's like disco. It's disco Sean. Have you heard it already? Um, it's the Instagram tease that you sent Mm -hmm. me. Uh, the third slide and in the, in the, in the third thing. slide, you got to slide through some thirst trap selfies and then you get to the third slide. I, would, I wouldn't say those are <laughs> thirst trap selfies. He wasn't like shirtless in any of them. No, um, not in those ones. But it was like one, two, three. Four, it was maybe four seconds. Oh, it's brief. brief. It's like a and boomerang I'm, of a teaser. Yeah. It's incredibly brief. And I'm like, OK, this sounds very disco but who knows what this could pretend to be? True, but like, it just feels like we don't always get to hear, you know, synths and Sean in the same uh, song. So this is an exciting development. At least I think so. Um, Billboard also announced last week that Sean is going to be playing at our South by Southwest showcase in Austin next month on March 19th, along with Gunna and Young Thug and Kygo and Sebastian Yatra and lots of other great people. Uh, So does this mean that maybe Sean could have some new music out by then to play at our showcase? That'd be very cool. I'll say yes. Uh, Seems like a good idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, Camille announced that her next song called Bam Bam will feature Ed Sheeran and it is out on Friday, March 4th. Uh, Bam Bam follows Don't Go Yet and Oh Na Na, which are the two songs that she's released ahead of her upcoming third solo album, Familia, which does not yet have a release date, although maybe it will once this song comes out. So... Does this Bam Bam announcement mean Familia is finally coming? Listen, we don't know. We don't know. We're asking questions because we like these two. But uh, let's talk Sean first. Some questions. We, uh, we, I think, on this podcast have been asking for Dancy Sean previously. So do you <laughs> think that Sean. we are getting, <laughs> do you think that we're getting like a fall poppy dancy project from him? Is this just going to be a one-off, you know, pop lead single? What, what do you think we're getting, Keith? It, well, gosh. <laughs> it could be an incredible. It could be an incredible fake out where it's just like a little teaser of just like a moment in a song. But yeah, you have to be very. His his team has to be very careful in what they share because they know it's going to start the wheel spinning. So don't share something that could be deceiving and make people think that it's going to be something else because then you get True. you get their hopes up for something. Um, yeah, Adele didn't share any synthy moments when she was teasing thirty. <laughs> no, she 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 sells she sells by the seashore. Oh. <laughs> she shared a snippet that sounded like what we expected of Adele. Though there obviously were different moods and moments on the full album of thirty. Um, we should say Sean has had some like upbeat moments. Sure. Um, in the past, but no, uh, no, no one would ever like confuse his up tempo songs as like dance floor bangers or disco. No, tracks. I'm no. thinking of like if I can't have you, which I love that song. Um, and then like Lost in Japan, which is a little bit slower, but like still poppy. I'm, these are the songs I'm thinking about. But right, when no, you're like, thinking about Sean, that's not those are not his signature songs. And I feel like his vibe has more of a John Mayer situation going with it, like a guitar songwriter vibe. Does, um, John Mayer, does John Mayer have any like sort of dance? 
tracks? Um, no. The answer is a solid no, but New Light that came out in like 2018, that just it came out in 2018, but it was on Sob Rock, which came out last year, is like his most upbeat kind of jam. If you know what? If Bruce Springsteen can have Dancing in the Dark, Sean Mendez can have an up tempo track as long as it stays true to him as an artist and he yeah. can stand behind it and not feel like he's compromising his integrity, whatever you know, what you know, as an artist. He's got such a good pop voice. I feel like his song belongs on pop music, so it's not a stretch for that to include things that are dancey. Yeah. yeah. I mean and, and and some of his songs, like There's Nothing Holding Me Back and I Know What You Did Last Summer, yeah. if you just stepped up those beats a little bit more. They would be, which I'm sure could, a few DJs did. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, when do you think that we are going to hear this music? Because this that was a very light tease. Like, I I feel like him performing at the showcase is a good sign. Like, getting out there a little more. Maybe new when music. Is, when is the showcase? March nineteenth. I'll say around March 19th. <laughs> you think that might be when a song comes around? Maybe. I mean, or maybe he just does a bunch of old songs at the showcase. Yeah, and like that's te- true. Teases, you know, and releases a new track the following I mean, week. he's had to delay his wonder tour so many times that this oh, will right. be like the first time that his fans will get to hear those songs. So it's not like he doesn't have material to play or something. But yeah. um, and I threw a wild card question in here, too. Do you have a favorite Shawn Mendes single? Like ever? I th- I think I've, I'm looking at his hits, his chart mm-hmm. hits. I think there's nothing holding me back is probably my favorite. Okay. Um, because I like up tempo Sean. Yeah. I mean, I also enjoy contemplative Sean too, but I think it's fun to have like you know up tempo rocky little pop. I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, so I think that might be my favorite. What's yours? My absolute favorite is Lost is um is uh I say Lost in Japan. Is Lost that, in Japan. Wh- why did that I just say it? it? I was like, wait, why does that sound wrong to me? But I also I sort of mentioned my two favorites earlier. Um If I Can't Have You is also a very I also like upbeat Sean, clearly. I like all Sean. Sean's great. I think we yeah. just want new Sean music. Well, yeah, it's funny. I remember a number of years ago when they were um casting the um Hairspray Live on TV. Oh, were they thinking I, for him for Corny Collins or for uh, the Zac Efron? I I was thinking of him as the Link Larkin. Yeah, Link Larkin um, character, which was played by Zac Efron mm-hmm. in the big screen movie. Because I'm like, oh, he'd be so good. But then I'm like, well, maybe that's not the road. He maybe he's like, look, I need to establish myself as a as like a quote unquote credible you know, singer-songwriter who plays an instrument because he had to overcome kind of a lot of stigma, I would imagine, as being like, oh, the kid that came from TikTok, you know, the in, Vine, or Vine, Vine, Vine yeah. it wasn't TikTok, Vine, yeah. to establish himself as like a legitimate recording and artist. And he was so young then, too. I mean, he was 15 when he came around on Vine. He was on the podcast, the first time he was on the podcast when Jason interviewed him, it was like right when they announced that he had signed to Island Records when he was like, 16 15 yeah yeah like something ridiculous so yeah i can i can see why maybe you'd want to be careful about kind of the sonic moves you make in your career for sure i think he's done a good job navigating that though um but next up let's talk about camila cabello so this is not the first time that camila has teamed up with ed sheeran she also made the song south of the border with him for his number six collaborations album uh do we think that maybe some of Ed's chart magic because this dude shivers and 
bad habits top 10 hits and I, anyway do we think that some of ed sheeran's chart magic is going to rub off on this one because i loved don't go yet but it never really took off it never never really connected and i don't think it was like the lead single they expected it necessarily to be for familia so now she's got this one with ed is this going to be the magic one that like launches the next phase i wonder i mean maybe yeah, I mean, it's a loaded I question. I obviously inserted a lot of my own opinions into that. It's I I think obviously there is some added sheen and shine. The sheer and sheen. The sheer and sheen. It's it's like beautiful <laughs> conditioner. Um, I think there there is that there's that element. Yeah. Um, and Ed and Camila are friends. You know, they they've they've been friends for a while, um, and they've worked together before. And um, I think maybe, sure, but it really mm-hmm. depends on the song itself. Just, you know, at this, you know, it, it, is, it, is it a great song? And I, I, I don't think that they would bother, bother themselves with anything that is below their sort of quality threshold. Well, it also feels like it's probably, we don't know this yet, going to be an ad co-write because he doesn't really do stuff that he didn't write. So that's also kind of exciting to think of the two of them collaborating on the the songwriting too. Makes makes you wonder like was this maybe something that was supposed to be for his album and he saved on the side for you know contributing to someone else's project? Or, Could be. You know, or was this Could something be. that was always earmarked for her? Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, uh, looking back at her last big hit, which was from her album Romance, right? My oh my with the baby. Um, yeah, this was a big hit for her. And so it definitely made me think like this is a well that she's also successfully returned to before. Uh, unfortunate feature from DeBaby knowing what we know now. But th- this was a few you know, years ago that she worked with him. But she also worked with Young Thug on her you know, breakout solo hit Havana. Um, so it feels like maybe on these upcoming songs on Familia, there could be another possible moment for her with like. A rapper she hasn't worked with before, maybe. I don't know. So I'm looking for something like that. Do you think that there is a rapper who would make a good fit on another Camila song? Maybe a, a female rapper. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, a, a little sort of like uh, female empowerment vibe there. I love that idea. Saweetie still hasn't put out her debut album. She's allegedly going to at some point this year. But she feels like she could make sense with Camila. I think that could be super fun. It makes me think of like my best friend with Sweetie and Doja or yeah. something. Do something like that with Camila. I think that would be awesome. Maybe maybe there's like it's like, you know, I mean, sometimes you, you think like, why even add a feature? Why even add a guess unless it actually is needed? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe she doesn't need to do that again. Did Havana if, need a feature? I no. feel like, no, it didn't, but did it make it a wider, you know, reaching hit because of a feature? Probably. Possibly. I mean, I mean this, Havana I mean, th- wasn't going to get played probably on like a hip hop radio station, for instance, but right. And when it has young thug, it does. I suppose every little thing helps. It know, does. As long, as long, as long as it, as long as you feel that it makes sense for your artistic statement. Camila. Keith's just sent a message Camila. to you. <laughs> so, okay, all of this said, we did Sean's uh, favorite single. What is your favorite Camila single? I'll answer mine first. Okay, you go first. 
Um, I actually now I'm between songs so eager, now that I'm saying and then it. Now you don't have an answer. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's probably Havana. It's just like undeniable. It's so good. But I really, really love Don't Go Yet. Like, I think that when I heard that song, I was like, oh, I love this for her. I love like she went like full like she's Cuban-American. It was like Miami Sound Machine vibes. I love that song. But Havana, all time favorite. Was that the one with the really like wackadoodle telenovela video? Yes. That's a really that's a really fun song that probably should have done a lot better than it did. I know. I agree. I mean, Sometimes I think people don't know. I think Havana I think Havana was just such a perfect moment for her. Yeah. That it just it just fit her and was unique to her. Like you felt that it wasn't something where you're like, "Oh, I can hear a bunch of other people singing this." Like right. it really felt specific to her. Um, and it's just like a, a well-performed song. Her mm-hmm. voice sounds great. It's got an incredible hook. Um, but I also like Never Be the Same. Yeah. I, I think it's a really fun song. And, you know, even something like, you know, Bad Things is fun, too, for, for, you know, oh. for, for, for what it Machine is. Machine Gun Kelly. Our Back when he was a MGK. rapper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, Havana and probably Never Be the Same. But, you know, it's hard to narrow down. It's hard to narrow down. All right. Well, maybe I'll just say don't go yet. Just so anybody who hasn't listened to don't go yet goes out and listens to don't go yet. There you go. (laughs) Don't go yet. Don't go listening to it now. Listen to the rest of the podcast. All right. And we'll keep you posted here on the podcast, of course, about when the Sean and Camila music materializes. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Twenty-five years ago this week, our girl Madonna hit number one on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart with Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, from the film Evita. The track jumped four to one on the chart dated February 22nd, 1997. Now, the song was originally released as a ballad in late 1996, um, not exactly a dance floor-ready track, but... It was later remixed into uh, an up-tempo version, actually multiple versions, by Pablo Flores and Javier Garza. And Madonna even re-recorded vocals for the song, which is highly unusual for Madonna to do for a remix. Um, The remixes were promoted to radio stations, and it actually became a surprise hit on Top 40 Radio. So if back in early 1997 you were listening to Top 40 Radio and you heard Madonna's Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, it was most likely this dance remix called the Miami Mix that became a fluke hit on Top 40 Radio. And those remixes are what propelled the song to number one on the Dance Club Songs chart. Um, Argentina is one of a record 50 number ones for Madonna on the Dance Club Songs chart. And further, she is the first act to ever score as many as 50 number ones on any single Billboard chart. Uh, Today, in 2022, Madonna has recently been teasing an upcoming project uh, alluding to her 50 number ones on the Dance Club Songs chart. So we're looking forward to whatever that project may be. Honestly, I have no idea what it is. Short of what she's been teasing on her Instagram, um, I haven't the foggiest idea what it could be. But she keeps, you know, talking about remix revolution mm. and fifty number ones, and uh, I hope it's more than just a playlist. 
Right. I mean, that would be the simplest thing, right? A Spotify playlist. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be. I mean, she's been teasing this thing for like weeks now. Yeah. Like with shots of her in a recording studio, like mas- like it looks like she's mastering something with an engineer. And I'm like, God, I hope this is more than just a playlist. I hope it's something. Yeah. I hope it's real. I hope it's something really special kind of honoring her roots, you know, as a dance music artist and icon yeah. and as someone who is so important to kind of remix culture in a yeah. way. Yeah. So we'll see what it we'll see what that turns into. You know we'll be talking about it on the show. I was going to say, you know you'll hear about it on the Pop Shop when it <laughs> when it happens. An, an entire show dedicated to it. Uh, <laughs> but so there you have it. 25 years ago this week, Madonna took Argentina to number one on the Dance Club Songs chart. Okay, we've reached the end of our uh, big show. Uh, any any parting words, Katie? This show is full of mysteries this week. It's like, what is Madonna going to put out? Life when will Sean and Camila's and music must come? Stand alone. <laughs> Life is I hear a you call my name, and it feels like it home. sounds like we know what song we're going out on. Because <laughs> Keith just did a spoken word rendition of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm good on doing spoken word renditions of like classic Madonna hits. You are very good at like you're good at just pulling the lyrics out. I need to sing lyrics to remember them. So that's impressive. I can well, I can do it with like it, it depends on the song, but I have noticed that I can do that. <laughs> that's certain, a good skill. Not just beyond beyond Madonna as well. <laughs> I don't know why. Why is that? People can't normally do that. No, people can't do that. Like I just bust out. Listen. You know, why can't you set your monkey free? <laughs> like, why can't you? No, in trivia, sometimes the they'll like, do you love me? Oh, my God. Sometimes in trivia, they'll like say lyrics and I it'll be a song I know really well. And unless I can like remove myself from the situation to sing it to myself, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Yeah. This doesn't work with everything. It only works with songs that I really, really know. <laughs> like, don't don't quiz me on like deep album cuts from Shawn Mendes. I, I made like, a blank there. Like which song? Uh, Don't try me. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to. <laughs> You're like, so try it, Keith. Like, no. I think it's time to hear like a prayer from Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. Let the choir-